Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We're joined by Mark Feldman of Lytics. Um, now, this is going to be an interesting chat because Mark's route into sales ops, or actually revenue operations, um, is through marketing, which is actually my heart and background. Um, so, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so let's kick off with the first question about um, how you initially got into sales or, in this case, revenue operations. Yeah. Um, so I did not take a straight kind of typical sales ops path. My career started out in Boston in the dot-com boom, and I worked for a startup that grew fast. And then I started my own company, and I've always been interested in growth marketing. And I was really fortunate, sort of... Um, lucky to end up in uh, 2008 at a company in Boston called Net Prospects that um, eventually got acquired by Dun & Bradstreet, but was really kind of an innovative pioneer in B2B contact data. And um, the company, I was the eighth employee, is a really new company. We were really at the forefront of the whole demand gen movement. It was right during the kind of global recession and marketing was under a lot of scrutiny. And um, marketers were trying to show that they create value for the business and create pipeline and are connected to revenue. So what we did was at the time, just selling B2B contacts was really innovative and new and marketers are really uh, glumming onto the new demand gen. So, um, so I led demand gen and marketing for net prospects and kind of created a demand gen program for us that led to triple digit growth five years in a row and um, taught the industry how to do outbound demand gen through webinars and content marketing. And I really, really just loved growth. And through my career, I've always just loved doing growth. And then um, I was on the marketing track. So I was um, head of marketing at a few different companies and um, 
One of them was um, I helped grow the company from uh, as head of marketing from 50 to 150 million um, dollars in three years. And um, I just really loved the the growth part, the digital part. Uh, but I wasn't so enamored with the kind of big M marketing, uh, the PR, the branding, the colors of the logo. It's I, I appreciate it. It's interesting, but it's not really where my heart is. So, um, so just having been at the forefront of demand gen marketing ops, I was um, just looking to uh, pivot my career trajectory from straight kind of marketing and on the CMO track to somewhere where I'm just part of marketing that I'm really passionate about. I've, I've had to do sales before. So, um, so revenue ops is a natural fit and um, it's a new area. So I was really lucky that um, Localytics came along and really just created the dream position for me. So it's sales ops, marketing ops, go-to-market strategy, uh, just really helping us grow. So it's a perfect, perfect role for me. Got it. So it doesn't include some of the, uh, you could say, fluffier parts of marketing, right? Um, just dealing no fluff. All substance, <laughs> no fluff. But there's, nothing, but, but, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? No, we have a really a really super creative VP of marketing who's awesome oh, yeah. the, at that, and we work well together. Oh, yeah, which is fun, which is great, right? Because that plays to your strengths, and then I assume that plays to their strengths as well. Um, so, so yeah. then, you, you, your entrance into this came through seeing an opportunity at this at the company, and you're like, actually, that really sit, suits my skill set. That's essentially what, what you saw. Yeah, and I also uh, I I having been through the demand gen um, initiation, been part of the initial like demand gen, then everybody kind of hired demand gen, and now it's really kind of box standard item that uh, companies have. I see revenue ops there, so it's like um, it's right now it's a little bit. Um, edgy it's different um people are like what is revenue ops mm, it's yeah. um a little bit like uh product marketing it's different at every company but i think it it just makes sense because um so i i work for the chief revenue officer yeah so there is no sales marketing alignment issues at our company there's just us we really use the uh the abm approach and yeah. um, it works out really well for us. So it is, it's great because you really should have sales ops and marketing ops under one umbrella, sort of one neck to choke. Uh, so you don't have marketing never has to beg sales ops to make a change to a field in Salesforce. That, that just doesn't yeah. happen here. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you quickly give us a sense of the size of your of the revenue operations team and the kind of size of the commercial teams they're supporting? Yeah, so we're a we we sell enterprise deals, seven figure deals to very large companies. So we have a pretty small uh, sales team. We've got uh, six headcount there, and then our ops team is um, it's me, and then uh, Silas, who's our senior manager of ops, is more of the day to day, and then we have some contractors that do a lot of the um, call it kind of crank turning within Marketo and Salesforce. So it's a pretty small tight team. We're about a hundred person company um, yeah. based in Boston uh, and with a presence in EMEA. So. Got it. Um, and then the current tech stack you're running at Localytics across all of the, across yep. the marketing and sales. 
Yeah. So, so one thing on the tech stack, just like caveat, I'm like very like anti big daisy chain tech stack. What I've kind of mm-hmm. learned the hard way is if you have a big tech stack, um, you become really ossified and it's hard to be nimble. If you want to change something, you have to like has all these implications up and down your tech stack. So I don't want to disappoint you, but we have a, like a really in your in your audience. We have a very small tech stack. We've got Salesforce. We've got Marketo. Uh, we have uh, we just bought Engageo for account based marketing, and it really does a great job pulling all of our data together uh, from our um, leads and contacts and all the activity rolls it up to an account level so we can measure engagement. Um, we use a few point solutions, um, nothing um, huge other than uh, Yesware we use quite a bit. Um, but for us, we, um, and we have like a few kind of small point solutions, but that's, that's, really, that's really it. We just bought uh, Tableau. Uh, which we use for analytics and um, it will help us really, you can do a lot more joins and data manipulation to your Salesforce data. We do have a data warehouse um, hosted on Snowflake. So we send data from all of our point solutions into our warehouse. We will be, um, we're in the midst of just taking all that data uh, normalizing it, deduping it, connecting it so that we can have a single pane of glass view of our customers and um, be able to roll up activity and event data uh, up to the account level and really kind of see our accounts holistically. Got it. And are you, are the RevOps team, responsible for defining, maintaining, and assessing your options for the tech stack? That's your, that's what you guys Correct. Are. Correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then you're then kind of recommending or suggesting to the CRO what the, the tech landscape should be. And then he, he or she is just like, sure, you guys go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, and, and the way he looks at it is really like, how are we going to help our sellers? And um, we're, how do we become better at our strategy? So we, uh, Localytics is in growth mode, new logos. We have some really massive accounts like Verizon and Comcast. And um, there are many companies out there globally that look like those. So we're trying to get new logos. So we're really leaning less into the what more tech can we throw at stuff, but like how do we engage at a high level with those accounts? So as a sort of head of revenue ops, my role is it's like technology is one part of it. It's a tool and it's really like scalable, repeatable. It's great, but I use non-tech tools. Like um, we hired a, a researcher. So we have a uh, one person uh, research team that really helps us understand our accounts and what their challenges are. And then, uh, and we develop pretty extensive solution briefs um, internally so that when we have a conversation with a new account or prospect account, that we are, we know more about their business than they do. So I think yeah. of, Everything that I do is just uh, making our salespeople better. And if technology can do that, great. If research can do it, great. If um, buying um, orange socks and mailing it to them can help us creatively crack a door open and help our salespeople, like, great. Got it. I totally agree. It's not about the tech. It's about the kind of results you're looking for. Can we dive a bit more into the researcher? Does that person then sit within the sales team? Um, What's their job title? And are they just full-time? researching yeah 
uh, research consultant. Uh, so right now they're part-time. Um, we're mm-hmm. on a kind of pilot and I'm hoping that that goes well. So far, so good. But um, she just pulls in uh, research from uh, things you can find on the web um, and press releases. There's a lot of executives that we want to go after have been quoted. So she looks at what they've been uh, saying with regards to their digital strategy and where our solution can fit in. She um, has um, ways of getting kind of first party direct information. She can call up people within those accounts. And now I'm like getting into kind of really secret sauce here stuff. So uh, this isn't being recorded, right? Um, no, 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 no. Okay, cool. So yeah, so she can ca- call up an account and um, really, she's not a salesperson. She can ask them, um, hey, what's going on? How do you think about um, your digital strategy? How's your purchase process work? And it's just amazing what kind of information you can get um, just by asking nicely, even in America. I, I've never heard of this role before. Um because, yeah. But like, otherwise, your your salespeople who admittedly may not be expert researchers are spending their time like hours per day trawling through mm-hmm. releases trying to find the angle in. But you can just have this person who I assume has like an expert doing this. Um, it just makes exactly. Sense. Yep. Um, move, moving yep. on to your the relationship between the ops team and the sales reps. Um, how are you currently making them more productive apart from obviously employing or having a part time researcher? Yeah, so we sit, um, myself and Silas sit in the sales pit. Um, so we're part of the team. Um, we, I think it starts with just having good relationships with the sellers. Um, so we participate in all the social events, actually organize them um, for the team. So we do that part as well. But um, it's really, I think uh, with a small team like ours, it's really bespoke. And we help the sellers day to day, whether it's um, just um, configure a quote um, or put a deal in that they've closed um, into finance. It's really kind of on the ground guerrilla helping them day to day. Um, And then uh, we pull them or pulse check them every couple of months about like, what do you need? And um, we said, like, if you had $100 and you had to spend it on one of these 10 things or spread out your 100 bucks, how would you spend it? And from there, like, research was number one. Um, so that led us to bring in the researcher. Um, so it's really kind of driven by them. We give them ideas and say, here's our point of view. Here's what we think you need. But, you know, you, you've been doing this for a while. So, you know, like what you think kind of up in the, up in the bleachers, up in the cheap seats is not always what's going to help the sellers on the ground. So we try to give them ideas and ask. Got it. Um, And how about if you're rolling out something new, getting them to buy into doing this thing uh, when it may like take up more of the time or how you go about doing that? So we so we just uh, rolled out Engageo or part of Engageo where it gives you um, weekly uh, emails and heat maps about how engagement at your accounts and marketing is doing all this great stuff to create engagement. And then we want the sellers to be looking at these reports. So um, so we piloted this with one of the sellers 
Um, you always like pick somebody who's open to new things, who is uh, flexible and kind of gives you feedback, good, bad, and ugly. So like, again, it's like what we think is best is not always going to work for the sellers. So we do just really small scale, like one-on-one um, pilots and learn, and then, um, then we push it out. And then we also think like our sellers are adults. So we don't have to say, you know, here's, um, here's this report. You have to look at it. We're going to shame you if you don't log into the tool. It's more like, here's all these things we're providing for you. You're the CEO of your territory. You lead your accounts. And, um, these are all the things we're making available for you. You do what's best. You're on the the hook, you know, you get the big bucks, but you're also on the hook for making stuff happen. So take advantage of what you think is going to help you get there. Got it. And I'm thinking a kind of a liberal theme where the salesperson is not separate, but they're intelligent and good enough to know what's right. And you're there just to facilitate mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And we also um, like, we're, we're cheerleaders too. We make excitement, make a lot of noise, bang the gong and stuff like that to mm-hmm. kind of help with the adoption. So it's not totally just like stoic, here's the stuff and decide what you want to do. But we, we try to encourage adoption as well. Got it. Um, can we move forward onto the forecasting process um, mm-hmm. as a revenue ops team? If that does that fit with you, and you roll that up and work with, run through it with the CRO, like how does that process? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a process that we're kind of end of the quarter right now. So it's really kind of front and center for us, how we're going to do this quarter. But um, we have uh, several different forecast categories for every deal. So we, you know, there's commit deals, there's um, upside stretch deals as well, and then closed one. Um, So we have the sellers categorize uh, those themselves. The CRO scrutinizes those deals. I'm I'm close with some of the deals, so I weigh in as well. Um, same with the, so, yeah. the other sales ops person. Just uh, sorry, go ahead. On that. Um, so you would have a list of all the opportunities, and then you, the CRO, and the other sales ops person are going in asking questions to try and identify any issues or. So it's the um, the sellers categorize, take the first pass at it. And then the CRO scrutinizes it um, along with um, myself and the other uh, RevOps person. We have, um, we're not as close with all the deals, but it's really, um, for us, it's a small number of deals. Um, so forecasting is, is challenging. There are six and um, high six-figure deals, low six-figure deals. So one deal, whether it comes in or not, can kind of sway the whole thing by 20% or 30%. So it's, um, I think it's definitely an evolving uh, science here, more of an art, I guess, than a science. Yeah. But we're um, right right at the end of the quarter. So I think we're... Um, we're going to end up about 10% uh, within forecast, which actually is pretty good given the deal size. That, that's pretty good. So you almost, you kind of predicted the number of deals that mm-hmm. would close, right? Right. Fantastic for the process. Yeah, really that's actually the, do- the dollar value, actually. Um, within 10%, and therefore you're yeah. probably within the right amount of deals that you close. Correct, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, let's get it down to 5% next month. Yeah, easy squeezy. <laughs> um, I'll take 10% any day. <laughs> yeah. 
And then uh, KPIs. What if, actually, from your, I think you've been at local Linux for seven months, right? Right. Um, what's been the most insightful fails related KPI that you've been tracking? Uh, so we are tracking a new KPI that I think is going to be game changing for us. It's a return on engagement. So, yeah, yeah. So, so um, Silas and I are actually presenting this. Um, uh, it's it's not known, but we've done a lot of research and a lot of uh, thinking into it, and we're presenting this at the ABM Alliance in Boston um, next week, and. Um, so I'm not sure how familiar you or your listeners are with the concept of engagement, engagement minutes. So everything that, every activity, every engagement, um, websites, visits, downloads, event visits, they're all assigned a number of minutes. And uh, the number of minutes doesn't mean time. It just is a sort of random word for it. Uh, but then we have um, multiplier factors for the level of that person in the company, what department they're in in the company as well, and um, the type of engagement. So if somebody uh, visits our careers page, that's a very, very low number of minutes. If they visit our solutions page and request a demo, that's a lot of minutes. If they're a, a VP of digital strategy at um, a large telco, that gets super multiplied. So. So really, we're looking at this at an account level and how many engagement minutes were generated by each campaign. And then within that campaign, which uh, we try to look granular at what channels uh, were contributing the most and the least and of uh, minutes. And, um, and then we combine that with dollars spent and we get a really neat return on engagement metric. Got it. So if it's like a custom marketing score yeah relates to what the prospect has been doing up until the point that they buy um yes and so we're we're really looking holistically at our indus at our um at our market in terms of 300 named accounts that we want to go after and marketing's job is to quote unquote engage with those accounts create engagement within those accounts and the higher up in the organization the engagement is, like a, um, a managing director rather than a, um, an intern, then there's more minutes associated with that. If, if there's an uh, in-person meeting um, or a demo request, that's like high, high minute multiplier. If it's like somebody just visits our website, that's pretty low. If they open an email, that's like almost nothing. So um, so we have charged our marketing and demand gen team with creating more engagement minutes. Got it. Got and it. they measure the efficiency of that with return on engagement. How much money did I spend per minute? So you've got the almighty minute is what we're going after. And we want to get as many of those as cheaply as possible. And then the alignment, the magic is that Demand gen is not tracked on pipeline. They're not measured on pipeline or deals closed because that's what sales does. So demand gen is going after engagement minutes and not like crappy downloads from interns, but like really good high level engagement. Um, so that's what we're going after. So you can, so you, you have for the quarter, 
a amount of engagement, you know, a cost per minute, and then you can break that down into every campaign. So for the quarter for each campaign, you have, the, say, they have like five That's right. per engagement minute, and then you rank them and you be like, actually, next quarter, we'll invest more in this campaign because they've got two pounds per engagement minute. Or exactly, or, exactly. Or that yep. is awesome, and we haven't, if you're probably not surprised, we haven't had that. Um, so you, you're presenting that at a conference next week. That's right, yep, here in Boston. Nice. The ABM Alliance is uh, in Boston. Yes, that's what we do. That's how we roll. <laughs> but unfortunately, because I, I would have loved to release this as like a, a global exclusive, but I think this interview is going to be released after you've gone live with the Boston Alliance. Got it, got it. Okay. All right. Well, we can do another one. I'll, I'll actually be in London in uh, November. We could do a live uh, live yeah, yeah. announcement then. How's that? We'll yeah, do the, uh, the, the, you can have the exclusive on on the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do that. Sure. Um, final question. Who has taught you the most, I guess, about revenue operations since you've been in the field? Uh, boy, um, I would say probably um, somebody I really look up to is John Miller, who's the founder of Engageo and Marketo. I think um, he writes a lot. I've um, learned from him uh, just a tremendous amount, like about the, just the philosophy, the approach, how to think about everything kind of revenue related, growth related. Um, so he's somebody I would say I've learned the most from, but I, um, I think it's like, it's a long tail of, of people. It's mm -hmm. like, I just read a lot and take a little bit from a lot of different people. So mm -hmm. I listen to, uh, I like the A16Z podcast, just learn a lot about growth and strategy. I think it's really important to, um, as a revenue ops person to understand the business strategy and like, I think where your value is. In, which is different from sales or marketing ops is to um, connect execution and operations to what, where the CEO is trying to take the company and where they're trying to seek growth um, and be the sort of um, tell truth to power um, and really like help the CEO get sales and marketing aligned to where they want to grow the business. And there we go. Um, I'm going to quickly summarize the points I liked. Um, I really like the bringing in a researcher to like, especially for you guys with the with the higher ACVs, um, mm -hmm. taking that away off the salespeople and obviously giving better quality like insights and research for the outreach. Um, asking a salesperson how like if you had hundred dollars, what would you spend that on to make your life easier? It's like mm -hmm. super super cool. Obviously, return on engagement, which is for the people listening live, a global exclusive. Um, so measuring the marketing activities by how much uh, actual engagement they're creating with the right person, not just the intern downloading an ebook. And then what you said right then there actually about connecting operations and execution to actually what the strategy or the, what the CEO wants to do and how the CEO wants the company to grow. Um, yes. So many insights. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. That was really good. Anytime. Um, I enjoyed it, Tom. Uh, we'll chat in November. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review 
And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. 